Hey everyone, in this AB Talks with Sadhguru, you can say I become more personal and I start to try to learn more about him as a human being and I hope I bring a different side to Sadhguru that you haven't seen. Hope you enjoy the chapter. Hi Sadhguru. Namaskaram. <laughs> Jagadish, Jagi, I read all kinds of names, but today we go with Sadhguru, which is what everybody knows. Um, how are you really doing? <laughs> that life should be <laughs> exuberant and intense, always. Exuberant and intense, why? That's how life should be, isn't it? If you... if this plant is well nourished, what are these flowers? Just exuberance of its life, that's its nature. This is the nature of everything. If you keep it well, any life, plant, animal, insect, bird, worm, everything, if you keep it well, they are all exuberant and intense because that is the nature of life. If you want to know life in any sense of profundity, you must be at the peak of exuberance and intensity. That's all there is. Hmm. And Sadhguru, you can maintain this level of exuberance and intensity? I've managed for over six decades, I think I will manage <laughs> <laughs> um, Who are you Sadhguru? How would you describe yourself? Oh, <laughs> I never thought it's worthwhile to spend my time describing myself. I am whatever as people experience me, different people experience me different ways, it's left to them. I don't think it's worthwhile for me to spend time trying to define who I am, because a definition means uh, you are a static entity. That's not what I am, that's not what life is. A definition means, it's defined means within the boundaries it's contained. The significance of being human is just this. For all other creatures, creation has drawn two lines, between which they have to live and die. For the human being, the top line is gone. But most human beings, like a bird which has been caged for a long time. One day even if you open the door, he doesn't go because he's gotten used to the cage, the comfort and safety of the cage. I think most human beings are in that kind of a state because they've been caged for a long time. Even if you open the door, they won't go because the dread of freedom. Freedom is a terrible thing <laughs> It's the most sought after thing, at the same time it's the most terrible thing because freedom means there is no sense of security. That means in some way, you have transcended your physical nature because as long as you're identified with your physical nature, security will be the core of your life. If you transcend that, freedom will be the only value. So, in ancient cultures in India or even today, the most... the highest value in life in... Uh, in the Indian culture is mukti or moksha, which means liberation. Not heaven, not God, not religion, not something. Liberation is the highest goal. Everything that you do is to ultimately liberate yourself. Liberate yourself from what? The nonsense that you yourself have set up self... self-imprisonment process that you're doing all the time. Because the process of self-preservation, when you do not understand where it begins and where it ends, it will become a process of self-imprisonment. So, Definitions uh, are for objects, 
definitions are not for life. Hmm. Your childhood, how was uh, Sadhguru's childhood? <laughs> well, either I never was a child or I've never grown up, one of these things, because <laughs> how I was thinking when I was five years of age, the context of my thought and my experience is still the same. Uh, it started like this, when I was uh, about four and a half years of age, one day I suddenly realized uh, I don't know anything. Don't know anything means don't know anything at all. So if they give me a glass of water, <laughs> I'm staring at this water for hours. I know how to use the water, I know I can drink it, I know the different ways I can use it, but I don't know what it is. Even today, you don't know what it is. With all this scientific exploration, we still do not know one atom in its entirety. This is a fact. We know how to use it, we know how to break it, we know how to fuse it, we know how to abuse it, but we don't know what it is. So, if I get a, a leaf, I'm staring at it for five, six hours. If I sit up in my bed, I'm just staring at the darkness for the whole night. <laughs> my father <laughs> he's no more, he passed away last year. Uh, being a physician, started thinking, I need psychiatric evaluation. And this boy is always staring at something, he looks like he's lost it <laughs> My problem is, I look at this, I don't know what it is. So I'm not able to shift my attention to something else, because this is engaging me so much. I cannot look at anything else. In this condition, they sent me to school. So my mother said, pay attention to the teacher. I went and paid attention to the teachers. The kind of attention they would have never received in their life <laughs> Initially, I sort of understood what they were trying to say. Then I realized that they're only making sounds. I'm making up the meanings. See, even now, I'm speaking English language. Language is a conspiracy. I make one sound, you make up the meaning, right? If I start speaking in Tamil or Telugu or Kannada, as far as you're concerned, you're... I'm only making sounds. If you start speaking Arabic, as far as I'm concerned, you're only making sounds. So, I realized they're only making sounds and I'm making up the meanings. Then I stopped making the meanings, I just listened to the sounds carefully. And uh, you know, hour after hour, teacher after teacher coming and making sounds and sounds and sounds, it became so amusing, a big smile spread on my face. <laughs> but they were not <laughs> amused at all <laughs> So, my schooling went like this, and uh, well, hmm. one piece of my childhood for you. And your relationship with your mother and father, how was it? Well, very close-knit family, but uh, I was very much there, involved, but never there really. In many ways, my mother always treated me more, though I was the youngest in the family, she always, for some reason, treated me like her elder brother. She did not know why she's doing that, nor did I care why she's doing it, I enjoyed it. <laughs> the privileges of that, being an elder brother too. <laughs>
And why do you think Sadhguru, she, she saw that kind of relationship with you? Uh, or seeked it, maybe? One day it happened, I was just eleven, maybe around eleven years of age. And uh, see, in Indian families, we are not given to mothers coming and saying, I love you, you love me, this doesn't exist. She lives for us, she need not even say that she loves us or something. Everything she does is just for us, there's no question of whether she loves us or not. <laughs> Such a thought never occurs. Today in the Western world, every day, mothers have to tell their children, otherwise children will have doubts whether they love me or not <laughs> So such things are not there, but one day, not so much as I love you, but in some way she expressed her affection towards me. I was in my own... I have a, a cloud of billion questions around me all the time. So, I asked her, suppose I was born in the next house, would you still feel the same way? Uh, I thought it's just a question, but she teared up and she went away. I thought, what did I say? I just asked a question. For me, a question is just a tool to dig deeper into life, but she somehow, it upset her. I left it at that, after some time, after half an hour, she came. And you know, as an elder, she does, she's not supposed to do that, but she came and touched my feet and bowed down to me. I didn't know what she's doing. I am somebody who never went to a temple, never prayed to anything, never bowed down to any god or man or woman ever in my life, because I have questions about everything. Here, my mother came and touched my feet and bowing down, I didn't know why. Well, much later I realized, for her that mo that was a moment of realization in her life, because I just asked this simple question, you have some love for me, but if I was just across the compound wall, would you feel this way? So, this is my relationship with everybody. And, and, the, <laughs> and the Baba, the huh? father? Father was uh, hardworking, very extremely uh, super honest man, who's almost to a point people felt he's not fit for this world. He's a very successful doctor, but he worked for the government. But he's so honest means too honest to exist. That kind of straight person, absolutely committed to his work. People uh, valued him immensely. People who are treated by him, they saw him godlike. Well, he spent his life being academically perfect, me academically zero, all over the place. So, I think within himself, he struggled with me what to do because I consistently, through my school, every test I got six zeros always. I never wrote a thing in my test paper, it's a rule in my mind. If they insist, I wrote my name, otherwise just empty paper is all I gave. Just when the final exam came, I just made sure I just learn enough to go to the next class. Otherwise, my interest was never in the school. I was uh, too interested in life around. I went and spent time in the lakes around Mysore city, I climbed trees and sat there for days on end. I was experimenting with life. Mm. All the small life that everybody ignores. If anybody really looks at how an ant is made properly, 
you will understand uh, what is the nature of the source of creation, how an ant is made. It is so absolutely fantastic machine. What you're trying to create with all your engineering skills, you can't create an ant. It is such a perfect machine, you know. It's a dream machine. If you had a car like that or a vehicle like that, you could go anywhere you want. So I paid attention to life, hmm. not to the books. So Sadhguru, uh, you, you think, or not you think, uh, would you say you were always with this philosophy right from the start? For example, some people... What philosophy are you talking about? My, my question is the way of looking at life. Uh, some people go to school then realize, I don't, this doesn't make sense. But you're telling me... I also went to school and immediately realized it doesn't make any sense. Immediately? Yeah. Even at, at a very young age, didn't have to reach 18 or 16. <laughs> See, about uh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, I don't remember exact date. The school where I studied over 40 years ago, they came to invite me for their 125th anniversary of the school. The trustees came to invite me, I said, see, I was not just a not good student, I was not even a student. I only went there when I really have to go, otherwise I never went there. On the way, I always found something more interesting, got lost <laughs> So, why me? I'm not a good inspiration for you students, why are you calling me? Then they said, <laughs> our school has produced sports stars, cricketing stars, uh, film stars, union ministers, but you are the only mystic, so you must come <laughs> So, I went. I went and stood there in that quadrangle in same oppressive buildings. And I looked at this particular classroom and I remembered and I told them this is what happened. That afternoon, the teacher is asking a question and trying to get an answer from me. Those days I'm made like this for many days, I don't utter a single word. Because uh, when you don't know anything, what is there to say? I'm still drinking in life. I don't know a damn thing in the world. What is there for me to say? So most of the days pass without uttering a single word. I will play, I will do everything physically, super active, but uh, there is nothing to say, what's there to say? So he's asking this question and trying to get an answer. Initially, I hear the sounds. After some time, I don't even hear the sounds. I see the man. After some time, I don't see the man. I see his past, present and future, but I don't hear what he's saying. I'm just looking at him, listening. But his question doesn't go anywhere into me. So after thirty-five, forty minutes of trying to get an answer from me, he loses it. He comes and holds me by the shoulder, shakes me violently like this <laughs> and says, you must be either the divine or the devil, I think you're the later. Till that moment, my problem was, what is this, what is that, what is that, what is this, what is that, what is that? About everything, I have a question, not a single answer. But one thing was clear, this is me. Suddenly, this guy confused me about this also. I looked at this, what is this? Is this divine devil? What is it? I tried to stare at myself, it didn't work. So I started closing my eyes. Initially, it started with minutes, it went into hours, days. It became normal for me to sit with eyes closed. 
because I knew I'm trying to perceive the world, but I have not even perceived the nature of my perception. The tools that I have to perceive, my eyes, my ears, my ability to perceive itself is not clear to me how I perceive, but I'm trying to perceive something. So I started closing my eyes for long periods of time. That's how things happen. Hmm. Sadhguru, I read, um, and please correct me where I'm wrong, uh, I read that your great-grandmother or your grandmother had a big impact on your life. Which one was it? Great-grandmother... Yes, please. She... I wouldn't say she had a big impa impact on my life. Well, she was crazy enough to impact anybody. <laughs> she... people called her a devil of a woman because she would uh, let out hoots of laughter. Those days, women are not supposed to laugh loudly. Mm. There must be controlled laughter. But she would let out a hoot of laughter, the street would shake like that. <laughs> so, I... my encounter with her is very, very brief. Only when I went for summer vacations, by the time I was probably five years of age, she was already a one-not-five or one-not-six or something. She died at one-one-three. So, uh, it is not like I had a big engagement with her, mm. but I saw a few strange things with her, which kind of made more sense to me than all the logical things that people were doing. Mm. And... Uh, sorry, what? She was not about... She was not... Though she was in a very wealthy family, she was not about wealth, she was not about money, in her mind, there was no such thing as who is family, who is not. Everybody who came to her, you know, they would... they would just sit with her and just burst into tears. I thought it was really funny and uh, she would give away her food to the ants and sparrows and squirrels like this and simply sit there with tears in her eyes. And everybody would advise her, all the self-appointed advisors, they would say, old woman, if you don't eat anything, you will die like this. All those advisors died, <laughs> but she didn't. Obviously, she was doing something right. Mm. So, uh, I'm four or five and I like to stamp the ants, chuk chuk chuk, I'm dancing on them. She feeds them, but she never stopped me. So, I thought this was strange. I thought she's so emotional about the ants, but mm. she doesn't say, stop killing them. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, the ants climb up my... You know, those days you're wearing loose shorts like this, our style, those days, not like today. So these ants climb up and bite you all over the legs, so I want to stamp them. Never she told me, don't kill them, but she was feeding them all the time. So, I'm saying she's so in tune with everything. She knows as a child, that's what I will do, because they bite me. But she's doing what she has to do. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> um, as a teenager, how were you? You don't want to know. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because mostly, I spend most of them, most of my time trekking in the mountains alone. Wild mm. means wild, for weeks on end. I survived in the jungle by myself, so probably they were the most profound impacts on my life was just being alone in the jungles, just walking without any purpose. Those days, no phones, no contact of anything, 
there would be nothing really. I just survived in the jungle by myself. So I think it made me very, very super resilient. No matter where I am, I'm okay. <laughs> There's no mm. issue. So a lot of wildlife, I've always been very friendly with snakes. They always been very friendly with me. Sometimes they've been angry and bitten me, but <laughs> mostly they've been very friendly. So I roamed the jungles most of the time or cycled across South India. Mm. By, by the time I was eighteen, I was riding a motorcycle across India, so... Which you still do, I believe. You mentioned Which I had you not were... done for nearly thirty years, but last four years, uh, I'm traveling everywhere on the motorcycle. Nice. Um, what was your dream job growing up? Like, did you have a, an idea where you'll progress to or you had no plans? Uh, I had no plan of any kind. My only plan was, because I crisscrossed India on my motorcycle and I realized uh, that I went to Nepal border and they stopped me and asked for my passport. Mm. I was nearly twenty and I did not know what is a passport. I've been riding since I was twelve without license. The day I turned eighteen, within three months I got my riding license. Mm. Once I got that, I thought I can go anywhere in the world <laughs> Today a five-year-old child would know. I was twenty, I did not know what is a passport. Then they told me, without passport you can't cross. So I turned back and came and first got my passport and I thought I'll ride away across the world. For that, I thought I need some money and I started one business. It did well, it drew me into another one and another one. I started half a dozen, all of them successful. And at the same time, it ate up my time, four and a half, nearly five years. I was intensely involved in business. People were very happy because uh, for those days, I was more successful than what people expect in a short period of time, very successful. But uh, I started this business only to make a little money to ride away. But riding away, I was getting into more and more, one after another, because that's the nature of this activity, it just draws you in. If you want to be successful, you get engaged, engaged till you get buried in it <laughs> So a certain experience changed everything after that. Hmm. Um, side question, because you mentioned, uh, you know, maybe you were fortunate enough and some of us were fortunate enough not to have, you know, too much connectivity. So today you have smartphones and you have social media. In a very connected world, do you think we are the most disconnected? I know these talks are going on everywhere, hmm. but I think uh, one of the best thing that's happened is connectivity. See, for example, many great beings have come in this world, all over the world. You might not have heard of most of them, simply because when they spoke, hardly ten people heard. And out of them, eight of them will always misunderstand. Two of them may get it, they may be quiet, it goes there. This is the first time we can sit here and talk to the entire world. When such a possibility is there, because of one's compulsiveness, individual compulsiveness, they don't know when to keep their stupid phone down. 
Because of that, they think there is something wrong with the technology. This is the greatest empowerment you have. And because you don't know how to handle it, you think it's a problem. The same thing is happening at a much deeper level. See, in this planet, human being is the most evolved creature on the planet. What does it mean? This doesn't mean you're the biggest animal on the planet, strongest animal on the planet. No, you are the most intelligent creature on the planet. And what is it that human beings are suffering in their life? They call it stress, they call it anxiety, they call it misery, they call it depression, they call it mania, whatever they want to call it. Essentially, it's your intelligence is turned against you. So if I give you a very sharp knife and you don't know how to handle it, you will cut yourself. And then you say, there is something wrong with the knife. No, your hands are not steady enough. Similarly, right now, you're not stable enough. Because of this, your own intelligence is causing such torture. All the human suffering, leave the physical suffering that happens in a famine or a drought or a war zone, that is very minimal. That needs to be handled in a different way. The rest of the suffering is all in the mind, isn't it? Human suffering. I don't know to what extent you are exposed to it. Every day I meet thousands of people. If you look at the variety of suffering they're manufacturing for themselves, and everybody around them, unbelievable, ingenious they are. Simply because they don't know how to handle their own intelligence, isn't it? The simple thing is, you take away half their brain, they will all be peaceful. Possibilities will go away, but they will be peaceful. So essentially, what is a possibility which is unharnessed, looks like a problem to you? Human being is a limitless possibility, that is the problem. Right now, you want to be like other creatures, both lines drawn by nature, so that you can live within that and die within that. Because nature has obliterated the second line for you, that is what you're struggling with. You're not struggling with your bondage, you're struggling with your freedom, you're not struggling with your incapability, you're struggling with your capability. This is the worst tragedy. This is because this is a super, supercomputer. All supercomputers have come out of this, don't forget that. But have you read the user's manual? No. Somehow blunder through this. Well, you must suffer. That's all that's happening. Mm. So the whole process of inner engineering is just this, to give you a simple user's manual, how this works. If you take charge of this, you will keep this wonderful. If you keep this wonderful, you will do whatever wonderful things you can do in the world. Right now, all the nasty things you're doing is simply because your experience of life is nasty. Say, hey, is this true? If I meet you when you are happy, very happy, you are the most wonderful human being. If I meet you when you're frustrated, angry, miserable about something, you could be a nasty human being. Yes or no? Yeah. This is true for every human being, isn't it? So this is the fundamental mistake we have made. We have always been trying to manufacture good human beings. Who is good? I am a good man. How? Because I think you are not okay. He is not okay, he is not okay, she is not okay, he is not okay. Compared to all these people, I am a good man. If you are the only person on this planet, would you know whether you are good or bad? I'm asking you. Does it matter whether you are good or bad? Mm. Means nothing. So, what is important is we need joyful and sensible human beings on the planet. You meet any human being, when they're joyful, 
they are all wonderful human beings. You meet them when they're angry, you meet them when they're frustrated, you meet them when they're miserable, they're horrible human beings, yes or no? You know, we've been working in the prisons for last twenty-three, twenty-four years now. Our programs are mandatory in the southern Indian prisons, and we've also worked in the U.S. prisons. All these convicts who are there, normally we... I... we worked only with long-term convicts, that means they've come there either for murder or more. If you happen to meet them when they're not in their right whatever, well, you will get the worst. What they've done in their life, terrible things they've done. But when they are with me, they are fantastic human beings, so energetic and so absolute, such fun they are. Because when they are happy, they are also absolutely wonderful human beings. But they get into this mode of unhappiness, frustration and anger, they'll do things that you can't imagine a human being can do. So this is the thing, we have invested wrongly, trying to be good over other people. I am good means, you are not so good, that's why I am good, isn't it? If I don't know the bad, would I know what's the good? But if you're joyful, you will be human. Instead of humanity, you're trying to substitute your humanity with your morality. This is the biggest problem that human beings have brought upon themselves. And people who think they are morally correct are usually... Unfortunately, they turn out to be... with best intentions, they turn out to be really nasty human beings. Not always, but a whole lot of them. Mm. because your morality becomes bigger than your humanity. Mm. Okay. If there is a Sadhguru, if there is... there's many things you can say, but if you really had to narrow it down to one important thing that you would like to teach humans, people, what is so important? The most important thing is this. Once you attain to this level of intelligence and competence as a human being has come, what this means is, from a single-celled amoeba to where you are right now, this has taken millions of years of research and development. You can call it evolution, it's research and development. If you really look at the evolutionary process, the process has made many mistakes, corrected itself and again gone in different ways. So for you to sit here like this, with this level of perception, with this level of intelligence, this level of understanding and this level of competence, millions of years of research and development has gone into this machine. But now you want to operate this without knowing a thing about it, this is a crime. You don't have your education systems are not teaching a damn thing about how to manage this. They are showing you how to conquer the world, but not teaching how to manage this one. If you could manage your body and your brains properly, would you be a blissful human being? If you are a blissful human being, we... are you thinking how to rob this guy, how to kill this guy, how to murder that guy? Would you? Would you ever think? Only when you're unhappy, these things come, isn't it? Mm. When something is unfulfilled. So essentially, what is designed to be a conscious process, you're trying to handle it unconsciously, compulsively. Well, there is a price, because this level of competence, if it's handled compulsively, it will lead to disasters. Individual disasters and worldwide global disasters will happen. Both are evolving in many different ways. Yeah. So, the most important thing is to raise human consciousness. 
What consciousness means is, why I'm trying to explain this word is, because this word is being used loosely all over the place. What consciousness means is, there are many dimensions of intelligence within you. When I say many dimensions, right now, you ate whatever you ate. What did you eat today? Chicken paella. Chicken paella, mm. okay. A chicken, does it look like you? Is it like anywhere near a human being? No. But you eat a chicken, within six to eight hours, the chicken becomes you, isn't it? There is an intelligence here, which can make a chicken into a human being in a matter of few hours. Ask Charles Darwin, how long does it take for a chicken to become a human being? He will calculate and tell you millions of years. Here there is an intelligence within you, which can turn a chicken into a human being in a matter of hours. But if you had access to this intelligence, conscious access to this intelligence, do I have to tell you anything about life? Would it be needed, I'm asking? Right now the problem is, no access to your interiority, too much outside. You're paying the price for that. No consciousness, what consciousness means is, Right now you are operating out of your intellect. This intellect is useful only as long as you have a memory bank. If I erase your memory, your intellect is useless. Very intelligent human beings, today a lot of them with dementia and Alzheimer's, whatever, they lose their memory. Very intelligent, a successful human being suddenly looks stupid, idiotic, simply because memory is gone. Only thing that's gone is memory. What happened to their intelligence? It is not intelligence, you are using the intellect. Intellect cannot function without memory. So intellect is not the only intelligence that you have. There is deeper dimensions of intelligence within you. There is an intelligence within you which is unsullied by memory. If you touch that, then we say you're in consciousness. Consciousness is that dimension of intelligence which doesn't operate out of memory. It is pure intelligence as creation is. You think the soil is thinking whether to produce a jasmine flower or this... Uh, we call this temple trees, I don't know what you call them, champas. Mm. Uh, is the soil right now thinking, should a rose flower come on this or a champa flower should come on this, is it thinking? But will it ever make a mistake? It's another level of intelligence. Mm. From the same soil, the flower has come. From the same soil, the fruit comes. From the same soil, a grasshopper has come. From the same soil, you have come. Most human beings don't understand this till you bury them, unfortunately. Only when you bury them, they understand they're part of the soil. When they stand here, you are separate, I'm separate, isn't it? How many divisions? Simply because you're operating out of your intellect, and the nature of the intellect is to separate because it's like a sharp knife. If I ask you, do you want a sharp intellect or a blunt one, what's your choice? Sharp, of course. Mm. So it is like a sharp knife. You can use a knife to cut and separate and dissect things. You cannot use a knife and stitch it. If you stitch your clothes with a knife, it will look like today's fashion. <laughs> Everybody's clothes are in tatters. <laughs> Thank God I didn't wear a ripped jeans today, you were the point. <laughs> uh, Sadhguru, I got... Uh... I like to get some research, but not too much research because I don't like to fall onto bias. So, of course, 
I saw you're extremely celebrated. You have a very strong following. Uh, a lot of people are enlightened. And then you have the haters. So I would love to know your response to people who think you're a fraud or your teacher, teachings are, are off. I saw a few, a few videos and I'm like, I would love to listen <laughs> to you, your perception on this. See, uh, they're going on using the word fraud. If you see, it is very concerted and managed. If one guy says fraud, 600 people say, I'm a fraud at the same time. Otherwise, they forget about me for some time. So one uh, good thing is, Every day they're watching every video that we make. Every day my daily mystic quotes they're reading and trying to find mistakes with that. So it's okay, I'm very confident as long as they're listening to this, one day they will be transformed. I'm hundred percent on that <laughs> So, it's all right. Different people come to you in different ways. Some have pleasant ways of coming, some have unpleasant ways of coming. It's okay. Sadhguru, what makes you so confident? Because you said, I am confident of my teachings or my ethos. See, this is not my teaching. Hmm. This is the way existence is. Either you see it or you don't see it. You either you see it, when you're comfortable if you see it, you're an intelligent man. But most people will see it when life knocks them on their head. They will all see it. It'll come. Hmm. Um, what does love mean to you? Huh? Love. What does love mean to you? <clears throat> I think it's uh, overly exaggerated. Love is a, a beautiful emotion within a human being. I think to keep your emotions in a loving mode is the most intelligent way to exist. But people go about saying, God loves you, Love is the core of the universe. See whether God loves you or not, it doesn't matter. You're loving, it matters because it keeps you pleasant and wonderful. Being unpleasant and wonderful is not a goal by itself. Being, being pleasant and wonderful means you are not in any way an impediment in your life. If you are agitated, if you are irritated, if you are in a hateful or some other kind of negative emotion, you are an impediment in your own life. If you trip on your own feet, you are a cripple, isn't it? Most people are crippling themselves with these emotions. In a way, love removes these crippling effects on your life. If you are loving towards everything that you behold, then it's not that you're even loving towards that, you're just loving because love is your emotion. If somebody comes, you may share it. If nobody comes, you can still sit here lovingly, isn't it? Love is your emotion, but now you have exported it to heaven because you say God is loving you. See, <laughs> if you can make yourself in such a way nobody can help loving you, that's a great way to be. God loves you, he has to love the mistakes he has made. <laughs> That's not important. God loves you is not important because love is a human emotion. Whether creator needs love or not, why are you deciding that nonsense? Human beings need it because otherwise they will wrap themselves in total unpleasantness. So you being loving is not even about somebody. It is just that if you are loving, 
you keep your… Just you keep yourself in a beautiful condition. If you are in a beautiful condition, you will not come in your own way. That means you will find full expression to your life. Otherwise, you don't need any enemies. You yourself are a misery by yourself. You don't need any enemies, you doing great by yourself. Hmm. Sadhguru, um, are you aware of your own weaknesses? Like, do you know, you can say, Anas, this is my weaknesses as a… as a person. I have neither identified my strength nor weaknesses, I just hit the ball as it comes to me. Hmm. What do you mean by weaknesses? For example? Speed is a weakness. Speed is a weakness. But I think it's an empowerment because it crushes time and space. But hmm. everybody thinks, Sadhguru, you are addicted to speed. I am not. I can also drive slow. But generally I am fast because life is bloody brief. If you give me a million year lifespan, I will drive slow. Only. <laughs> hmm. Because people answer this differently, somebody will say... See, uh, this is all become... these are all cliched things. This is my strength, this is my weakness. It's not like that. Life comes to you, you doing your best in the given moment is all there is. Instead of you doing an analysis of yourself, I never sit down and analyze myself. I know this much, I've fixed this much. Everything that I do is always inclusive. I do not exclude any creature in this world from what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. I fix this one thing, I'm inclusive in my experience of life. Rest I don't care. With inclusiveness, according to the best of my intelligence, what I can do, I will do. I don't have to worry whether it is good or bad, because such a thing doesn't exist. Good and bad doesn't exist? No, I'm saying I don't... See, if you have included somebody as a part of yourself, you don't have to worry about doing something bad or good. You will do what's best for them. Hmm. Whether they understand right now or not, that is left to them. But according to your intelligence, it may not be the best thing. But according to your intelligence and capability, you are doing the best thing possible. Hmm. And that's all a human being can do. That I am doing every moment of my life, and that's all. Am I the best thing? No. I'm the best I can be, always. Mm. I don't want to show my face to anybody anything less than what I can be in a given moment. Doesn't matter whether it's a child or a man or a woman, or big or small, I do my best in that given moment, that's all. Mm. Um, talking about the present, I have a hypothetical question. If... if somebody has a letter with your date of death and they can give it to you, would you open it or not? And why? Why would I need it? I already know, so... You already know? <laughs> yes. What do you already know? No, you want to know the dates? You're so eager to know that I die. Life is a certain intensity. If it is at a certain intensity only, then it can hold on to this body. If it becomes overly intense, it will leave. Hmm. If it becomes very feeble, it will leave. If you age and slowly energies become very feeble, then life will exit naturally. Nothing need to go wrong with the body. Or you can break your body and go of course. Hmm. One way or the other, you can break your body, either with disease 
or mismanagement or an accident or one way or the other you can damage the body, that's a different thing. But otherwise, either your energies become too feeble or too intense, then you leave. Mm. So if you know how to constantly maintain a certain level of intensity, you also know how to pitch it up to an intensity where body will not hold it anymore. Mm. So when... when you think you've done what you can do, or when people around you are tired of you, you make it more intense and leave. You know what's interesting, Sadhguru, a lot of um, cancer patients, uh, it's kind of what you said, they decide. So when, when you tell them, don't worry, we're fine, your family's fine, we, and they advise you, let's say, don't forget to take care of my, your brother or whatever, within 24 hours, they let go and life leaves them. And it's very close to what you said, like kind of they give permission. Yes, that aspect is definitely there, but there the body is already damaged. Hmm. But even if the body is not damaged by hitting a peak of intensity of life, you can leave the body. Hmm. Another hypothetical question. If Sadhguru, while he's walking, he can see a characteristic above people's heads with a scale, like a gauge. And you can choose one characteristic. It can be their sense of humor, it can be their wealth, it can be their honesty. And you can say zero to ten, you can see seven, six, five. Which characteristic would be so important for you to see on people's heads? Which would be more important for me or mm -hmm. for them? For you. Oh, for me, it doesn't matter what character they have. Because as far as I know, all human beings, when they're conscious, they can exude something fantastic, which is life. For me, life is the only value. When I say life, not just about being alive as life. Life... See, life is not just you. This is the living cosmos. You captured a little bit and you're giving it all kinds of significance. This is a living cosmos. You're like, you did you, when you were in school, did you blow a soap bubble or something? A soap bubble? Mm. So if you and me sit here and blow soap bubbles, my bubble this big, your bubble that big, I will say this is my bubble, you'll say that's my bubble. It went poop. Then you don't say this is my air, that, that is your air, isn't it? Mm. Life is just like this. This is a living cosmos. You captured some. It is the magnanimity of creation that it's giving you an individual experience. Don't take it too seriously. Mm. You can develop any kind of characteristic even any given moment. It has nothing to do with life. These are all social nuances and you're making up these things depending upon which society you're born in, what sort of people are around you. This is not important for me. The important thing is, how much life can you capture? Are you a tiny bubble or are you a big bubble? If you capture enough life within you, you will know life in a more profound way. If you capture this big... Uh, this much air in you or this much life in you, and then you read all the books in the world, you will not know anything. You will never know life that way, because life needs energy. Mm. The energy should be such that it can just light up everything. When it lights up everything, you see everything. If it doesn't light up, if you don't have the energy to light up everything within you, 
the nature of your own life. If you do not know the nature of your own life, you don't know a damn thing. You couldn't read all the books on the planet, you still don't know anything about life. You know survival tricks. Mm. You're exaggerating your survival tricks as so many qualities and values. I'm saying when I say survival tricks, I love you is a survival trick. Mm. Yes, otherwise you can't survive in the society. It's not that you're exuding love. This is a... I call this mutual benefit scheme. You give me this, I'll give you that, and I say I love you, you say you love me. We'll go on. The moment you don't give me what I want, I hate you, we'll start. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yes. Mm. So I'm saying you're misunderstanding a need-based existence as love. Love has got nothing to do with anybody. It's your emotion. When you keep your emotion in the sweetest possible way, you're loving. Who are you loving? You're not loving anybody, you're loving, that's all, that's your nature. Now, if you see the plant, you will look at it lovingly. If you see a man, you look, um, look at him lovingly. If you look at a woman, you look at them lovingly, not because you want to get something from them. That's a relationship. A relationship is a transaction, isn't it? Mm. Do not misunderstand or exaggerate transactions as a love affair. It is still a need-based society. Let's be straight enough. Because if you call your love of you your transactional affair as a love affair, you will miss the whole experience of love in your life, you will never know it. It's important you know what is a transaction. I'm not... when I say transaction, I'm not saying it's ugly. If you're running a grocery store, I come to you and buy what I want. This is not ugly. There's nothing wrong, it's perfectly fine. Unfortunately, we think the transaction in the shop is ugly, the transaction between two human beings is beautiful, there's no such thing. All transactions are necessary. There is nothing ugly or beautiful about it. It's just with how much dignity we conduct those transactions, how gracefully we conduct those transactions. So there are needs in human beings, physical needs, psychological needs, emotional needs, financial needs, social needs, to fulfill these needs, we do different kinds of tra transactions with different people. At least we must be straight about it, isn't it? This is all I expect. Do whatever the hell, at least be honest. Mm. Not with somebody, at least with yourself. What are you doing? At least with yourself. If you're not able to be honest with the world, because the world is prejudiced, it'll make judgments about you, for whatever you say or do publicly. So, at least with yourself, this one person you should not play hide-and-seek. If this much you do, ah, you will be fine. I love the hide-and-seek thing. Um, Sadhguru, what makes you... I know that this is also a very human need, uh, but what makes you as Sadhguru feel valuable? Like, is there something that when you do, you feel you are of value to the world? I'm uh, unfortunately of value to the world because people are so steeped in ignorance. I would like to see a day when everybody has found their own thing and I'm of not much value. People ask me, what's your dream? I said, someday I would like to be unemployed. Right now I'm working seven days of the day, twenty hours every day, <laughs> three sixty-five days. I would like to be unemployed. If I become unemployed, that means everybody is doing well, that's great. So, is, is your part in 
the part you're playing now to see this light is valuable only hmm. because sun has set isn't it so when the sun was on what is the value of this light hmm. so you you are is it a valuable thing for you to feel you are part of this development in psyche in uh, awareness that i want to play a part if i can to evolve people that then they'll be fine without me Uh, I know I'm... it looks like I'm denying everything that you say, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm... I'm just trying to uh, sound a little more reasonable to the people who are listening to your show. But it's very difficult to make people understand that I don't think on those terms at all. I don't consider my life like this or that. Like, uh, you know, we are... Uh, various uh, environmental movements we are doing we are uh, unfolding a global movement called conscious planet you must stand up and be a part of it when it comes here inshallah people are asking me in un agencies in various places where i go i am speaking saying satguru where did you get all this knowledge where did you study about environment so i never studied i've been living on this planet they said we also been living i said no you not been living in this planet you live in your head i live in this world this is a big difference human beings are living in their psychological spaces and misunderstanding that as existential their thought and emotion they are believing is real they're making it up isn't it mm. your thoughts your emotions your ideas your opinions your philosophies your ideologies your belief systems all made up in your mind and you're thinking it's real i don't have much in my head so i live in this world I said I am like a worm in the soil. So I know what a worm knows and a worm knows more than 10 PhDs put together because his life his existence depends on it mm. what he knows. Mm. For a PhD his existence does not depend on what he knows. For the worm what he knows determines whether he is alive today or not. Okay. Uh Sadhguru what are you afraid of? <laughs> Uh Again I'm going to the same mode. I love I love any anything that you say is you. So even <laughs> if it has to contradict every question it's completely fine. See fear is a consequence of losing control over your imagination. In the sense people think they're suffering life. They're not suffering life. They're suffering two most fabulous faculties that only human beings have a vivid sense of memory which makes our life so rich and a fantastic sense of imagination which gives us such a power to create and manifest things in the world this is what they're suffering what is it they're suffering ask them and see what happened 10 years ago they're still suffering they're suffering their memory what may happen day after tomorrow they're already suffering they're suffering their imagination I made myself like this what I remember or what I imagine is 100% in my hands my mind will do only what I want nothing more nothing less if your hand right now starts jumping all over the place like this 
I will think you have some ailment, isn't it? Maybe yeah. Mr. Parkinson is vis visiting you or something. Because this hand is useful, only if it does what you want. All your faculties are only useful if they do exactly what you want, isn't it? Mm. If your hand starts beating you in the face, you're better without a hand, isn't it? Mm. Right now, this is all that's happening to you. Your own thoughts and emotion are mauling you, pummeling, pummeling you all the time. And you think it's normal? <laughs> well, you need treatment. Unfortunately, majority have gone that way. Because of that, it's looking normal. If normal is majority, in the mental asylum, only the doctor is sick <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, if we bring things down now to basic questions, do you have a best moment in your journey so far? This moment. This moment. <laughs> Truly? Yes. yes. Because it's you being in because this I'm moment? Because I'm alive right now, what else? Hmm. That's the greatest thing. People think something else is there. The greatest thing in your life right now is you're alive. Rest are all accessories. Hmm. So would you be somebody that would reminisce and think, uh, when I was a kid I got this gift or <laughs> at this moment when I received this I or kept what? myself in such a way I never have any time to reminisce. I don't have a moment to even look back and what happened yesterday. Hmm. Because my today is that busy. So is keeping you busy an escape? No, busy is not just work. Hmm. I'm busy with life. Hmm. I don't think it's work. If I sit here, you're not here, let's say, like I did not come for your interview yesterday, today I in revenge you did not come, I would sit here as intensely and as involved. Maybe with the tree, not you. Hmm. Maybe with the breeze, maybe with the breeze or with myself. So I'm saying my involvement every moment is so intense, there is no time to look back and see. This is not about being busy, this is being engaged with life. Mm. Because your engagement has to be with life, not with some old movie that you have in your head. I read something, Sadhguru, I'd love your opinion. It said, if you regret, you live in the past. If you're anxious, you live in the future. And if you're at peace, you live in the moment, at the present. Agreed? <laughs> See, whatever the hell you do, you only live in the present. Sah. Isn't it so? It's true. You're regretting. When are you regretting? Only in this moment. Mm. You're anxious. When are you anxious? Only in this moment. So whatever nonsense you do, you can only do it in this moment. Yes or no? Mm. Can you be somewhere else? Everybody is saying, be in the moment, be in the moment. I'm asking you, do one thing for me. Be somewhere else and show me for one moment. But they mean being here somewhere Ah, I got you. Mm. Now what they're telling you is, do not think about the past, do not think about the future. Mm. This is what I told you, it took millions of years of research and development to bring you to this level of cerebral capability. Now they're telling you, remove half the brain, you will be all right. Of course you will be. <laughs> so, don't think about the past, don't think about the future, you will be all right. So, what we should do, remove half the brain, you will be fantastic, <laughs> peaceful. Mm. If you're dead, you will be even more peaceful. What is the point of that? Mm. If you take away the possibilities of life, then you're peaceful, 
What is the point of that? Full on, with all possibilities intact, if you are blissful, fantastic. Otherwise, what is the point? I would rather have you disturbed mm. than being dead. Tell me which do you prefer, disturbed or dead? <laughs> disturbed. If that is the only terrible choice you have. Mm. <laughs> Fair. Um, last few questions, Sadhguru. Um, you're a father, I believe, a daughter, mm -hmm. correct? How is it being a father? I don't know, she should know. No, do you enjoy it? <laughs> See, I have uh, a millions who are mine, hmm. everybody, because uh, my involvement with them is not any less. There's only one girl who is my mistake <laughs> <laughs> She turned out to be a wonderful girl, so I have a, a very close, wonderful relationship. Just now, both of us rode through Himalayas on a motorcycle and came back. Lovely. So... I believe her name, I need to say it correctly, Ra Radhe? Radhe. Radhe. Okay, Radhe. Yes. So, she's a wonderful human being, so I have a relationship with her of a certain kind. She being my flesh, my... this thing, this is not a big deal for me. I know her from her childhood, from infancy, she's grown up with me, and... Uh, and she turned out wonderful. <laughs> Maybe because uh, I didn't have too much time to mess her <laughs> So she grew up wonderful by herself, so great. I was always there as a foil for her. And right from her little... when she was a little girl, I didn't treat her as a little girl, I treated her as my equal, always. So she grew up calling me by my first name, even now she calls me by my first name. Even as a little child, everybody would say, what is this? This little girl calling you like this in front of everybody. I said, that's what she's... that's how she sees me and that's how it is. It's okay. So because of that, I think she grew up very, very mature and wise, many times wiser than me. I'm too intense to be wise <laughs> She's wise. Okay. Final question. Sadhguru in one word. Hmm? Sadhguru in one word. That's the word. Which is? Sadhguru. That's it? Yes. Ha if you had to describe yourself as a persona or a personality or a, a living human in one Let's word. Let's see, there are many types of gurus. This hmm. is something that the world doesn't know. Generally in Indian culture, this is commonly known, but in this generation it's not much known. The different types of gurus, it's like Right now, let's say you have uh, some issue with your teeth. Mm. Do you go to an ophthalmologist? Or do you go to an orthopedic? Mm. No. No. You will go to a dentist. So when he says whatever his name and say dentist, you know why you should go to him. You don't go and show him your eyes, you don't go and show him your liver or kidney or something. Mm. This is just like that. When somebody mentions a word Sadhguru, that means he may not know any scriptures, he may not know any traditions, he may not know any rituals, he may not know anything else. Hmm. There's only one thing he knows. He knows this piece of life from its origin to its ultimate. If you're interested, you must go to him. You want to learn, learn some scripture? He's just the wrong guy because he's too illiterate to even read it. So then if it's Jagadish in one word, would it be the same? 
No, that's a name that your parents give you. Jagadish means uh, <laughs> master of the universe. Hmm. Well, parents have grand ideas for their children. True. <laughs> so, you wouldn't put yourself all in one, one word? Sadhguru is good. Sadhguru, Sadhguru? That means, Sadhguru means uneducated guru. Interesting. Only he knows this and nothing else. Okay. Thank you, Sadhguru. Thank you. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, what are the camera guys clapping, huh? <laughs> They're happy too. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope I didn't take much time.